you know, we have the habit of calling horses silly and don't be crazy and we laugh at their spookiness, but their brains are designed to do that. I would have a suspicion that domestic horses have an even higher wired fear system than feral horses because they are living in an environment that is constantly triggering that fear and they can't run away. Welcome to Come Along for the Ride, a podcast for horse lovers everywhere. A place where we love to bring consciousness to the horse world. I'm your host, Tracy Malone, and this podcast is brought to you from my home in the Sanford Valley, in the northwest of Brisbane, Australia. This land I live on is Waka Waka and Terrible Country. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land and to pay my respects to their ancestors, past, present, and future. And I'd also like to extend that respect to each and every one of you listening. In this episode, I speak with Hannah Weston and Rachel Beddingfield, who created Connection Training. They are a mother and daughter team who have both learned so much of their craft from the one horse, Toby. That sounds a bit familiar, doesn't it? Connection Training is a holistic look at horsemanship, which I love so much, and I know you guys love it too. The knowledge between these two amazing women is profound and I'm so honoured to be able to speak with them both. If you've ever wondered why positive reinforcement training is so important to the horses and their brain, then this is the podcast for you. After we stopped recording, they told me the story of how their horse Toby found them. Yes, found them, not the other way around. They told me that they saw him for sale and knew that they had to have him. A while later, they were going through photos of a trip they had done a few years back, and I think it was in Ireland, and on this holiday they did some horse riding. And when they were looking at these photos, after they bought Toby, they found a photo where Rachel was riding Toby on this holiday. So they had to look closely and match all of the markings, but in the end, they found it was actually him. So it seems Toby came here to teach humans something amazing and was waiting for the right human to appear. And once he chose Rachel and Hannah, it was simply a matter of finding her again when it was time for him to be sold after being imported into the UK from Ireland. So it's a really awesome story and these women have got so much to tell you. Sit back, relax, grab a cuppa and be ready to have your mind blown as to how truly important being a conscious horse person is to every single horse in the world. Here is Hannah and Rachel. Hannah and Rachel, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much for having us. It's it's great to be here. Yeah, it's wonderful. Now, can you first tell me a little bit about what it is that you do? Yes, absolutely. So I'm Hannah Weston and um, we have a company called Connection Training, which is an online resource for teaching positive horse training. And um, it's kind of grown. We teach uh, in real life as well and face to face. But uh, Connection Training is mostly built around our online um, training. So we've got lots of videos and courses and the forum and um, we've got people from all over the world, which is really exciting. Yeah, and I'm Rachel, hello, Um, and I'm actually Hannah's mum, and uh, so there's lots of fun in having a mother-daughter business, Um, but Hannah is the um, 
excellent practitioner, makes most of the films, uh, does most of the training. And I am the brainiac behind the scenes. So I'm very keen on science and I like to research all the science behind what we do. But I also really love uh, student support and coach support. So I kind of spend a lot of time um, supporting people who are going through the courses. Mm, wonderful. Who made the leap into the positive side first? Well, maybe first of all, well, who made the positive leap first? And also, did you both train t- traditionally with horses first? Yes. So, <laughs> well, it, I suppose this bit all started with um, Toby. We have to go back to Toby, I think. So, um, when, uh, so I grew up, um, we grew up in a town. You had been horsey, Rachel, when you were a child but not when I was growing up and um, so we grew up in a town and I was horse mad went to the riding school um every day every hour and then when I was and you um, learned traditional ways then at that riding school yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yes um and then when I was 11 um I got a pony for Christmas which was you know all all the dreams come true and that was Toby who I'm pleased to say is still with us and um he well he has been a huge journey horse really he's led us both down um so many different paths so we started off with him um doing all the stuff traditionally but within within the first year we found ourselves as novice horse owners with a huge number of problems and a quite an unhappy horse so um you know he didn't want to hack out on his own he wouldn't load he didn't want to go out in a stable he was difficult to tack up he stopped jumping um so lots of of problem issues which then started us kind of looking for other solutions now because I was only a kid at the time this was obviously driven by Rachel by my mum um looking for those solutions which started off with the natural horsemanship didn't yeah it? yeah I think if the I think if any any um, <clears throat> non-horsey parents listening who got into horses by getting their child a horse will probably have a lot of sympathy for the situation we found ourselves in which was actually you know the, the horse and the riding had become quite dangerous and of course very very upsetting for Hannah um, she was failing a lot and um, so you know I got on the trail this was really 20 years ago yeah um, yeah this year um, of looking for alternatives and I think probably the first one we found was Monty Roberts um, which got us very excited about join up and so on and then we that actually took us into um, more looking at things like saddling and um, issues about saddle fit and bridles and, and so on um, which that led us into Pirelli um, and we were very uh, very keen on Pirelli we found a very good trainer here uh, which was very surprising because the early days and we were in the north of England so you know it was a stroke of luck that we found that particular trainer and um, that began really where we began to realize begin to learn about horse behavior and begin to learn about our own behavior um, and begin to learn about how we, you know, the influence we had. Um, So I think it was a real family venture early on. um, And, you know, really um, both of us had to learn very fast um, the best way we could. Yeah. And excuse me, that did um, fix a lot of, the issues um, caused a few as well but it did fix a lot and um, so then from there it was looking at kind of progressively softer and softer techniques really Toby was very 
uh, still is very opinionated and very um you know he really was very clear about what he liked and what he didn't like and one of the uh great things was that i had such a playful relationship with him so we kind of used what worked and discarded a lot of the other stuff and spent a lot of time um just you know as kids do i was a teenager then my best friend had her kept her pony with uh, toby and we spent a lot of time just hanging out just playing games just having fun we also got at the time fantastic um conventional instructor as well who's really um very again very playful sets it up to be really fun for the horses for the humans very gentle slow progress and i think that's kind of remained a bit of a core that kind of playful well it's kind of my personality too yes. but yeah. <laughs> that um yeah just that connection that relationship that playfulness and um, so that kind of, yeah came from there but it started your interest in it so you started then getting you started the natural horse group well what happened then was, of course, my, unlike Hannah's <coughs> natural born <coughs> playful person, I'm a natural born, you know, sit in the library and read books person. So, of course, as soon as we started this, um, even though we were kind of learning the practical stuff, I began the, the, the track down the research, which actually brought me to the Equine Behaviour Forum, um, which is a national group in the UK. Um, and I can really remember the first conference I went to and the first speaker I heard was... Um, a very wonderful, I don't know if you've heard of her, a very wonderful writer and researcher called Dr. Marta Kylie Worthington. Is, is she known in Australia? The name rings a bell, yeah. Yeah, horse behaviour has been her thing. And she um, was, it was very, very much a maverick doing her own thing. So, for example, she taught her horses um, to recognise something like 300 different word commands. Um, and all her horses, they they were ridden, they drove, they they you'd be interested. They worked in the this. land. They worked the land. Um, she would do a display, a, a Grand Prix dressage. She would enter Grand Prix dressage, but not taking part because she wouldn't agree with the the tack. In fact, I think she made her bridle out of um, baler twine. You know that wraps up bales of hay. Ah, I've always wanted to use that for something else. There's an idea. Well, there you go. <laughs> And, and she would enter these competitions, um, obviously without hawk on cour, without uh, being taking part. But she was training the horses to that level, and then she would just take the bridle off and, the, and do it all again without the bridle. Wow! So she was a massive inspiration, and really was the one that, that uh, listening to her, kicked me into starting to get the books and starting to read. And then I, because I wanted to hear more and learn more, um, I had to find these people and so I thought well the best way to do that is to start running courses and invite them to come over so I then began was actually turned into a 20-year career um, I didn't know that then of um, inviting great practitioners to come and I created a group and I created a, a, a great group of people and they used to come and we've had we had um, we had Marta we had Lucy Reese, who people may have heard of mm -hmm. another great equine behaviorist we had um, Ken Faulkner um, and Steve Halfpenny, um, who I'm sure people in, in Australia know, um, and Pete Ramey on the, the barefoot hoof management because we were looking very holistically at the horse. So 
in 2001, I took the horses barefoot as well. Um, so that was another massive learning curve. In fact, I went to Australia, and, <clears throat> uh, sorry, to America, and um, did quite a big study of barefoot as well. So we were looking at it, you know, we kind of a bit that you were talking about with the organic farming. When you go into organic farming, you have to unlearn a lot while learning a lot. Yes. And very, very similar to that. But we didn't throw away anything that was working for us. So we weren't, we didn't get cultish about it. We kind of thought, well, that still works. <laughs> so let's keep doing that, you know. Mm. Um, but that bit there, we need to change. So let's change that. So it became, I think, a very holistic um, journey and a holistic approach. And one of the things I loved about it was the group of people that tended to became our best friends and tended to become our regulars. Um, we weren't all doing the same thing. So somebody would say, well, I like this kind of saddle. And we would look at it and think that's great. But then somebody else might say, well, I like this kind of saddle. And in some groups, it gets a bit cultish where you have to do the same as everybody else or you feel like a little bit in the out group. Mm -hmm. um, but our group were all embracing and let's explore this and let's explore that. And we didn't exclude anybody. If you had your horse shod and you used bits, but you were interested in using herbs and essential oils, then you know you were part of it. So I think that enabled us, led us, and it's just the way we think still, isn't it? It led us into being very uh, open-minded and embracing ideas from all different directions. Which continues to this day. Still yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Tracy, we've gone a bit off track, but we can't no, have to heaven at all. It's, um, <laughs> because it's a part of this type of horsemanship. So this is what I find being in this world of what I've kind of termed as conscious horsemanship. There's all the different things, um, different people call their style at something a little bit different, but it's really about being conscious and it's such an inviting and positive space. Anyone I speak to in this space is not competing with anyone else. They're lifting each other up. They're inviting everyone in arms open. That's what I love, not just for the horses, but for horse people to be embraced no matter what it is they believe because we've all been at all different levels at every time. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. It is. And I think we've all probably, most of us end up in these places having gone through doing things to our horses that we, we regret and we wouldn't do now. So Every I think single person I've interviewed. Yes. Yeah, and every one of us then has to learn how to forgive ourselves and to move on and respect our own learning, even though we would never do that again. And I think that creates very mature people yeah. who come to this part of the journey, um, which is wonderful. You, you meet the best people, I, I think. I'm sure you do. You just meet amazing people all the time. Yeah, very inspiring. Absolutely. So when did you step into the positive reinforcement side? So in 2004, uh, <laughs> Rachel came off Toby and broke her back. Yes. Wow. <laughs> and that was the beginning of 2004, wasn't it? And yeah. um, yes. So, yeah. So what I was on and a riding lesson, actually, and I was having the best lesson of my life. Um, and I had just done this lovely canter. I'd never had such a nice canter and I was feeling absolutely fantastic. And we were walking around the school um, and I'd taken my feet out of the stirrups and I was in that place of, oh, I'm brilliant. I'm, you know, pride comes before a fall. And very unfortunately, um, it was in a lesson, the, there was a, a five-year-old behind us and he spooked as he went around the corner and just spooked into Toby's backside mm. <laughs> and Toby 
just leapt forward and of course I wasn't in any position to be holding on and I did basically did one and a half somersaults and landed on my back um, which fractured um, one of my vertebrae so obviously had months and months of um, of recovery it was funny because on the it happened on the Sunday morning and on the Monday when the consultant came around and said well I'm going to let you go home but you know this is going to take a while and and I said uh, so when will I be able to ride again <laughs> and he said why do you, why is that always the first question from you horsewoman <laughs> it really is <laughs> so while I was recovering a friend of mine who isn't horsey at all went to a charity shop and picked up an armful of books for me and um, she said oh there's a horse book in here I have no idea what it's about but I just thought you like horses and it turned out to be Alexandra Curlin's uh, you um, click that teaches. yes the click that teaches uh, about clicker training and um, so I started to do what I do which is be a brainiac and read the book from cover to cover also detail. you were stuck on the sofa well I was stuck on the sofa <laughs> yeah. Even so, and think about it. And then <laughs> Hannah did what she does, which had a quick look at it, thought that's a good idea, and went out and tried it. <laughs> yeah, so that was the, the first thing where I started. I took it out to Toby and just, um, as I had done with so many uh, different approaches already, just started to play with it with him. And um, it, it, I mean, I was lucky in a way because he was so uh, forgiving with it. I mean, we had a big, solid relationship by then already, but I made a huge amount of mistakes um but what I saw so clearly was that the behaviors that I had used the positive reinforcement for were he was so much more enthusiastic so much more willing so much more joyful and the more that I um used it the more stark that difference became and I started to really um kind of it was just so clear and it was so clear that Toby was enjoying that stuff so much more than than um, the stuff that we'd done before. So that really ignited my interest actually, because who doesn't want a horse that's enjoying it and joyful and really enthusiastic? Yeah, isn't it amazing also how they switch so fast? They're so forgiving going, yep, you've done all this stuff with me before, but yes, you've got it now, let's move forward. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and for quite a a long time, we were both, when we got into it, we both used um, positive reinforcement for some things but continued with the normal negative reinforcement for other things like riding and so mm. on um you know we, we did transition over quite a few years before yeah. we made it into everything and they the horses like toby totally and our friends horses crossover horses totally took it they totally um were fine with both i like this this is great fun but yeah i can i can carry on going out for a ride and yeah. you know being ridden in the conventional way and uh, that was one of the things that i think we love to get across to new people coming in is don't throw everything away that you've got um horses are much more resilient than people often think um and and much more forgiving so they'll and take it- they take what's good and and they carry on it's, it's really wonderful I love that about it I think it can also be quite um stressful for horses as well when everything that they've already known suddenly gets thrown out and isn't used anymore because that's their way of communicating with their human and it's this uh, so much there'll be so much good stuff in that as well um even if there are bits where you're like oh hang on this needs changing or you know clearly the horse is upset or stressed in this area but within that there's people still have such a great relationship um you know with their horse and so much 
common ground and communication that I think it's important to really hold on to all of that as well as you start adding in new things because it can be a bit daunting for some horses with you know when any new techniques added so how that's added in is really important as well I think yeah and it's like learning a new language you know you don't just stop speaking English all of a sudden and start speaking French because you know three words it's really important to to Tracy I'm going to use that one if it's okay I like that analogy anytime (laughs) I like to laymanize things I have small children so I'm learning (laughs) how to break things down to explain it to them because that question of why comes to me a lot um yeah so I totally get what you mean yeah don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and and forget everything because you'll have massive holes. So, um, yeah, that's great. And Rachel, with your back, how did you go rehabilitating yourself? And did you take something that you learned from that rehab back to the horses? Oh, yes, it was. It actually turned out to be one of those um, bad things that is a massive gift. I had a feeling. Because, yeah. <laughs> well, basically because... Um, I'm, I was somebody who lived my life um, with a lot of bravado. So externally, I looked very confident, but internally, I was um, a frightened little piglet, basically. Mm. And basically, I fell, I, 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 I um, broke my back in 2004. And then as soon as I could, I got back on and I carried on riding and all the rest of it. And then in 2006, I uh, booked a um, trainer from America called James Shaw who teaches Tai Chi for equestrians and the first day I I actually took Toby to this clinic and um, the first day the first exercises are all on the ground all on the human all on becoming self-aware and looking at your you know your posture and your breath and so on and so forth so I spent this weekend with Toby um, you know starting to really be aware of my breathing, being, being aware of, of my tension, which I'd never done before. As I said, I'm a brainiac. I lived in my head. Um, so it was quite revelatory to me. So I came home and at the time I was rehabilitating my wonderful mare, Rasheen, who was a horse in a terrible state when I got her. And I was using positive reinforcement by this time and I, to help her overcome her fear of the saddle. So, you know, I was, you know, bringing the saddle close and clicking and reinforcing if she looked at it and touched it and so on and so forth. But it was absolutely taking forever. Just didn't think I was making any breakthroughs. And the day after I came back from James's course, I was, I had her ready to, to start this work again. And as I walked towards the tack room, I realized that I had stopped breathing Mm. and that the person who had the issue with the saddle wasn't the horse. It was me. Wow. And I was actually absolutely terrified of riding. So I was riding completely on adrenaline and bravado and I had no self-awareness how terrified I was. And that was like, you know, somebody from the universe smacking me over the head, that realization. Yeah. So I then started to um, desensitize myself to, to, uh, the, even the thought of riding. So I had to take myself back through a process where I had to think about going to ride and then sit there and consciously breathe until I was relaxed and slowly, slowly, slowly take myself through a very deep process of building my confidence um, again. And I did 
did that. I worked with James uh, for five years. In fact, I was so blown out, blown away by his work. I began to run, um, I became his business manager in, in Europe and, and began to run courses for him. So I was bringing him from the States about three times a year for about three weeks at a time. So I was working very intensively and practicing all the time in between. And it taught me so much about um, how we can use our body, first of all, to give us the information we need. Our bodies are telling us how we feel. And if we're not very good at knowing how we feel, we can learn that very clearly. But also you can change everything if you start from that place. If you start with yourself, if you start with your breath, um, it, is, it becomes the place where you can really find yourself. And one of the phrases that James had that I loved was, to be at one with your horse, you must first be at one with yourself. Mm, and not many humans can say they are at one with themselves. Well, exactly. And, and I wouldn't <laughs> say that I am in whole, whole, whole life, but it completely changed how I approach uh, confidence with horses. And now I teach a lot of people. And a lot of people are like me. They're born again. Uh, middle-aged people, women who got their horse at the end of the day um, and without realising it, they, they are carrying a lot of tension. But there's also a lot of younger women who've had really serious falls and have carried on riding. I say women because most of our clients are women. We have a few, few brave men, but most are women. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, anybody who's had a set of serious falls or one really bad fall can be riding with bravado and then they wonder why it's difficult to ha get the horse to relax yeah. because they don't realize that they are the ones that's actually making the horse anxious deep within their body mm. unconsciously. So yes, it was amazing. Uh, the, the broken back changed so much for me. Um, and it really did put me on that very deep internal. And at one point it was quite a spiritual journey. It's more uh, not so much that nowadays, but in that process, um, I went very deeply and, and made a lot of changes. So it's one of those journey horse stories <laughs> for, yeah. for me on that one. It's amazing yeah. that the one horse worked for both of you as well. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Toby's uh, pretty special. Yeah. But he, I mean, that was a huge piece of my um, journey mm. as well. So I uh, had also, by my late teens, developed quite a lot of physical issues from um, the dance training that I'd had as a teenager that had pushed my body too far and was in was suffering with quite a lot of pain in my back and pain when I was riding um, and we were I'd been on a, a long quest with Toby as well to help him find um, comfort in his body so I'd because uh, he was having back issues and things as well so I've tried lots of different saddles and um, you know looking at different training techniques and obviously the management so all bed on the floor, turnout, all of that kind of thing. And um, the it was really interesting because the a lot of the Tai Chi work, as I became aware of my own body, made Toby clearly so much more comfortable yeah. when he was being ridden. And that was um, one piece that allowed him to be able, uh, encouraged actually, and allowed him to be able to use his body well. And um, was it instant, Hannah? Was it like literally um, you shift, he shift, or did it take more time than that? 
Yeah, it took more time and it was actually a combination of a few different things. So it was the uh, definitely becoming more aware of my body and changing my position. I trained and qualified as an equine touch practitioner um, to give Toby regular body work because at the time he was needing body work every week in order to be able to stay comfortable and sound. So I trained that and worked as a um, practitioner for a while as well. I also started to learn much more about um, biomechanics, how horses move. I got um, into classical dressage, into groundwork, which is still a, a huge piece of what I do. Um, and then added, put that all together with the uh, clicker training with the positive reinforcement, which was another key piece because prior to that, trying to get uh, Toby kind of motivated or enthusiastic to use his body differently was just a battle so um it was as all of these different elements came together so there were some things that changed very quickly um for example with the uh, he had a long history of bucking in canton and it was very hit and miss you weren't sure when he was going to do it but when he did it he would buck until you came off and um i one of the things that i learned through James was about just aligning my body. So using my core correctly to free up my back and allowing the movement of my seat bones to separate and for Toby's energy to kind of come freely up through my spine when I was riding. And um, once I learned that he became much happier in canter. And I remember one ride, I was out with a friend and we were cantering through some woods and there was a low branch that I hadn't seen that he just popped over and it kind of took me by surprise. And I immediately felt my back tense up and he immediately went to book. And ah. I just was like, breathe, breathe, release the back, engage the core. And then he just softened out and carried on um, cantering again. So. so isn't that so interesting that you said you couldn't, you didn't know when he was going to buck, but it was in your body the whole time. That's brilliant. Absolutely. Yes. So that was very quick. Um, everything else took a long time. Yeah, but I will say it. it's really interesting, Tracy, in working with him and the amount I did, and you know, driving around all over the place, hosting clinics and, and, and watching lots of people. Um, there could be some really instant changes over a weekend. Mm -hmm. um, the, 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 <clears throat> excuse me, the rider changed quite a lot. <clears throat> excuse me, with all the groundwork that the, the humans do and all the, the Tai Chi aspect of it that the humans do. So you would often see on the second day, on their second lesson, um, where there would be a massive change in the horses going, a massive, yeah. lots and lots of relaxation, lots and lots of jaw chewing. Um, there would be, you know, the, the outline would change from um, being hollow and, and inverted to the back coming up and the horse moving much more forward. And actually, Hannah, you've got, we've got a really good video that Hannah's take took. You gave the lesson to Ra Ra Rachel out oh, yes. in Portugal. Yes. And that was a big change in one lesson. It was. That's on one of our blogs. Yeah. Um, about, and yeah, that was just changing what? a horse who was typically quite hollow, head high on the shoulders. And as we changed the rider, then... And she's a, she was a very novice rider. He changed his way of going as well. Yeah. Wow. Um, and if we look for that blog, what's it called? Do you, can you, do you know off the top of your head? What will it be called? Tai Chi. If you go on our blog categories. Be tai Chi. Or it'll be, if you go onto yeah, the blog on our website and the, it's under the riding. Yeah. And we'll put a link in the show notes. I'll get you to send that to me and we'll pop that in the show notes. Cause that'd be a really lovely thing to, to yeah. see. But I have, I have to say, coming back to the positive reinforcement, which is yeah. the core of what we do, yeah. that mm. it was really, um, all of these elements are like supportive. So it's about, you know, having the horse 
giving the horse a happy horse life and looking at their nutrition, their management, and then their bodies and your body. But then tying it all together is really this, how can we make it as rewarding and clear for the horse as we're training them? And um, so when with Toby, one of the issues that I had with him was utter reluctance to do anything in the arena. And um, so it, he was just so switched off, so kind of miserable, so disinterested. It had not been historically a good place for him. We hadn't done things that he'd particularly enjoyed in there. The difference between working him in the arena versus going out for a hack or riding in the field was just huge. And these changes, adding in these other um, elements, didn't make a, as didn't make a profound difference to his attitude. Mm -hmm. It was really about finding the joy for him and the reward. And I took it right back, did a lot of stuff on the ground. And then when I began um, working in the saddle in the arena with his, uh, you know, huge amount of anxiety and stress about it, really, um, I would, because I would get on and I'd ask him to go forwards and he would basically go to sleep. And I know now that was a huge stress response and for the first time I made the decision I was like I am not pushing him through this he's doesn't like this I'm not going to do it and I spent one winter just mounting him and then just sitting there and uh, you know just breathing reassuring him and then if he kind of took one step forwards I would reward him jump off we'd leave the session there and um I would have many many more skills these days to do this much more um effectively but at the time, um, it was just about bringing in that Toby really did have a choice and he really did have a voice. And it was about really beginning that idea of that partnership of the two of us working together. And um, it took a few months, but at the end of the few months, it was suddenly, it kind of, um, we spent a long time at this very low level. And then as he started to kind of go, oh, hang on, like, I do have a choice. I do have a say. It then... Um, improved very quickly until he was very joyful so it was this combination of teaching him how to move so he was comfortable he was enjoying movement he was enjoying his body and then putting it together with that the choice the rewards and making it fun as the two of us worked together that was really profound. Mm. Now from doing this podcast and interviewing interesting people I have learned that classical dressage is one of the best things you can do for your horse in movement is that why you chose that path? Yes, absolutely. So I'd done by that point quite a lot of um, conventional stuff and quite a lot of uh, kind of low-level competing in um, one-day events and dressage and things like that. And um, I was, it was my search to look for healthy movement that really drew me to the classical, um, the classical world because it is more about looking at how we can help, especially for riding, prepare the horse's body for being ridden. Um, that combined with my equine touch training, actually, which was also looking at how we can help the horses to move, um, to help their bodies. And um, so, I mean, this is really culminated. In fact, uh, just last month, I've just launched my gymnastic groundwork course on our connection training club, which is putting all of this work into practice on the ground using rewards and it's really looking for ways to um teach horses to move well and use their bodies in a way that's fun that's enjoyable for them so i kind of look at it as a bit like pilates or yoga for horses and um in their 
traditional lives, you know, they don't get the same physical challenges that a wild horse should be getting. So they're not moving so much. They're not navigating lots of different terrain, different challenges, which keeps them fit, keeps their muscles um, the right muscles engaged and active and working supported and keeps them really sound as well and then on top of that obviously they've got to carry um, often got to carry a rider so carrying the weight on their back and then we ask them to do specific um, exercises as well whether that's dress out or jumping or hacking out where um, we're asking their bodies to do certain things so I think it's really important that we prepare their bodies as um, well as we possibly can for that and um, but it's there's a lot of training where I see which is fantastic but the but the um, body is prioritized so much more than the mind and for me they really have to work together so you have to have the horse understanding what you're asking for um, and then also loving it really enjoying it they should come in and be you know wanting to um, wanting to bend wanting to do lateral work wanting to engage and take a little bit more weight behind and you know find those core muscles that are going to help support their back and um, that's really what I've kind of aimed to do is to make it a fun process for yeah. horses starting on the yeah, their brain is so important too because I believe they've done studies that show that wild, wild horses' brains just have so many more neural pathways because they're having to think all the time and, and do things and they've actually found the human brain has started to shrink over time because we've domesticated ourselves. They've actually done studies in this. And um, so I love that you put such importance on the body and the mind at the same time because if they're doing new and interesting things and they're being challenged in their mind and their body at the same time, that keeps those neural pathways going as well as the body. So it's, it's fantastic. It's very holistic what you're doing. Absolutely. And I think it needs to be because they are, you, you can't, you know, if you've got a horse that's just, um, it, it is an area in, the, in their life that's lacking if they're not getting the right nutrition or, you know, their tack doesn't fit or their rider's really unbalanced or tense or their handler is really unbalanced or tense, then it's going to be, you're kind of going to be working against it all the time and you're not going to be able to really, everything supports everything else. So I think you really need, do need to look at the whole picture and um, bring it together. But certainly from the, for me, I wanted horses that come into the arena going yay let's do this collection malarkey and um uh, loving it and enjoying it and finding it so much fun and um that was what I really have focused on improving in myself over the past I don't know how many years um as well it's been a big focus of interest for me yeah, it's fantastic. And the horses don't come in going, oh, I need collection and Hannah's going to teach me that today. They just go, Hannah's fun. I want to hang out with her and I wonder it's what stuff she's got for me. And it's it's wonderful how you do it. And um, I see on your website um, that, Hannah, there was one of your students who described your training as creative. So it's you are always thinking of the right solution that's never the same for each horse how have you trained yourself to do that? Or is that just something that's innate? Oh, that's a really good question. I think um, creativity is so important because every horse is an individual and it's, you've got to keep searching and looking outside the box to find solutions for each individual horse. But also I think to move everything forward. I mean, this 
click training especially is so new that I think it's really important that we don't get pigeonholed into doing it a certain way um, mm -hmm. because with there's so many different ways and approaches that we need to explore to move it forwards and you know keep expanding our knowledge and experience so certainly for me the creativity comes naturally it's something that I um definitely have a natural flair for I'm like oh let's try this I always say there's a hundred and there are 101 ways to train everything and um but I work a lot and that's also improved in myself <laughs> over the years and I work a lot in building people's creativity as well to get them thinking outside the box so I think it's like um it's kind of a bit like if you're learning painting or something you need to learn a few different techniques and then you can start combining them or thinking oh maybe this technique that I used in that situation is going to work in this situation over here so getting a, the basic um kind of skills in which is a real key of understanding the behavior and the emotions because it's the emotions really that um that drive all of the training and um, I'm sure Rachel will want to talk about the emotional side well, well one of the interesting things is um <clears throat> I um I am absolutely not creative. <laughs> you asked, could, you know, did Hannah learn it? Hannah has been creative and playful from day one. <clears throat> and I've been, as I said, that serious little girl in the corner reading a book. Mm -hmm. um, plays, plays come very hard to me in that sense, although I love activities, sporting activities, that sort of just spontaneous, oh, let's do this, let's do that. And I spent a lot of time um, being very stumped I think I would I don't know what to do today in the arena I don't know what to do and I would get into the habit of drilling things and trying to make behaviors perfect um, and so the horse would get bored and they'd turn off and it would, didn't become fun I'm, I, I was very I was and I'm not now very good at taking something that's potentially fun and turning it into you know something we have to score 100 percent scientist in you yes yeah and um we do have quite a lot of um clients that are like that so one of the good things i can do is i'm a living example of how you can change and the positive reinforcement helps you change because once you learn about choice once you start thinking about uh giving the horse choice you start to learn you can't force it and therefore you can't drill. If, you, if the horse starts to get bored and they're at liberty, they will walk off and they will find something more interesting to do. And so you kind of have to think, oh, well, I've become very boring to them. I better find something else to do. So I found working with Hannah, Hannah actually really does teach creativity by the fact that if you say to her, well, I'm stuck with this, she'll come out with 10 different things to try, just like in a sentence. Um, and that does teach you because you've got 10 different things you can try. So, you know, by the time you're getting to the fourth one, you have begun to think creatively yourself. And I think it's one of the great joys that I see. Um, we do a lot of video coaching, um, individual video coaching with, with clients. And I just love those moments when after a few sessions, they'll, they'll send you an, a, an email and say, well, I was going to send you a video because I was stuck, but actually I tried this and you know, it really worked. So I'm okay. I'll, can we delay our call for another week? <laughs> Cause yeah. I'm really excited about what I'm working on. So it does come out of the process. And, um, the other thing that really, um, has been very, very important to us because it is connection training. The word connection has so many different meanings, but the prime meaning that we go for is the emotional connection mm -hmm. and the major thing we teach everybody right from the beginning is 
awareness of how their horse is feeling. So that we don't ask the question, um, how, you know, how, how do I make my horse do that? We ask the question, how can I make my horse feel good? And I went into this in my brainiac way um, with studying the work of a wonderful neuroscientist called Yuck Punksep, who is famous for discovering that rats laugh. I don't know if you've seen the laughing rat videos. I have on. not. Oh, well, if you go onto YouTube and do put, search laughing rats, I'm you will probably get a video of Panksepp. And um, it, he was studying emotional systems in mammals. And one of the ones was about play. And he is, he, he, he's been very, very important in our work because he differentiated between fear and anxiety. And this is really important when you're working with horses because fear is basically the physical fear of your life. So horses, of course, um, have a very highly sensitive, sensitized fear system. They will run like crazy at a rustle in, in the bush. You know, they spook all the time. Um, and it's just very highly sensitized in them, say, compared to, to humans. So we, you know, we have the habit of calling horses silly and don't be crazy and we laugh at their spookiness. But their brains are designed, you know, to do that. And as you were talking about the the neuro, neuronal density between wild and domestic horses, I would have a suspicion that domestic horses have an even higher wired fear system than feral horses because they are living in an environment that is constantly triggering that fear and they can't run away. Yeah. So it gets into a chronic state. But the anxiety side he called the panic system and that's really social anxiety or separation anxiety. And I think it's so important to understand that in the brain, those are two different systems. So they're using different chemistry, different pathways, often using the same structures, but using them in different ways. So the amygdala, for example, is kind of like the loudspeaker of the brain. So it's not the source of where you feel fear or anxiety, but it's the place where you, ex it, it, it enhances that and expresses it. Mm -hmm. um, and, the work that's coming out now with scientists like Andrew Hemmings in the UK and um, uh, Paul McGreevy in Australia and so on, really looking at the neuroscience of horses and their brains, I think is massively helping us as horse owners to understand our horses and understand what we're dealing with. Because the strategy for dealing with fear and spookiness is different from the strategy for dealing with separation anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, and generally with most horses it is actually much easier to turn them into calmer less spooky horses than it is to turn them into horses that are happy to leave the herd because that is such a deeply um, sensitized system in horses but on the other hand the rage system in horses which is so powerful in in carnivores should be at a very low level horses should not be angry aggressive animals that is not the way they're designed to be and so when we see a lot of aggression in domestic horses, we absolutely know that their living conditions are wrong. Um, and we can understand that from, you know, right looking right inside the brain and the neuroscience of the brain. So I get very excited. I could talk for hours on this. So wow. seminars for, on. for example, when you say living conditions are wrong, give me a yeah. list. Well, the horse's preferred thing to do with stress is to move away, mm -hmm. run away, move away, put distance between whatever it is that's stressing them and 
you know, just put some distance in between. So say yeah. you have two horses that are both in a stable and they don't really like each other. Or they don't know each other. So they can't go through the natural process that they would have of keeping their distance from each other, checking each other out, um, gradually getting closer together over time. So they're forced together in this very enclosed environment and they're side by side in these two stables. So neither of them can do what they want to do, which is to move away. So what the brain does then is says, well, if you can't um, flee, um, then the fight system comes in. So the, the fear system has to be suppressed because it can't be expressed. And instead, the rage system comes up. So the rage system includes um, frustration, um, aggression, resource guarding. So then they start perhaps pinning their ears at each other. Perhaps one of them is lunging at the other over the stable door. And it becomes a situation where they are experiencing a very negative emotion. A rage raises the cortisol. It's bad for the system. And they're experiencing it on a chronic level. So that's the kind of thing in a, in a living system that if you saw that happening, your reaction ought to be, we need to change the way we've arranged things so that we don't see this behavior. This God, comes up a lot. In- I love how you just explained that. That was brilliant. Thank you. Keep going. <laughs> I was just going to say this comes up a lot in training situations as well, exactly what um, Rachel's been talking about. So um, horses will always prefer to leave a situation and in the training that to me that's um, a situation that they're not happy with that is a huge piece of giving them choice now one way of doing that is to have them at liberty but it doesn't matter if you've got them on a rope you can tell if you're paying attention to them whether they're engaged and enjoying it or whether they're mentally checking out and would prefer to leave if you um let them and i think it's the most important thing is that you listen to them um, what they're saying but you can see that a lot in um, a training situation so for example if you've got a horse who um, you know is kicking when you're putting the saddle on then that has been triggered initially through probably either um, a fear of an unknown object confusion or the saddle's been causing pain in some way and if you give if that horse had had the choice then they would have left that situation to not have the saddle on but of course, what happens is they get restrained, they get tied up, they get held, they get um, kept in the stable. And then that's when the rage system kicks in and they start to show those aggressive behaviors. So if you've got a horse who's then, you know, kicking and biting, it's come from this um it's come from a place of fear. And I think it's really important to recognize that when we're training the horses as well, because how you approach it. And the compassion that you feel for the horse yes, is different yes. when you think this horse is frightened rather than this horse is aggressive. And um, so looking at the brain systems really change that. Um, there's another good video, by the way, on the blog with, well, actually, there's a whole series of the emotional systems on, in horses that Rachel did. Um, and there's a video on the a horse aggressive a Zorse actually, a zebra horse cross, who was really aggressive with the saddle. And you could see how that really came out of that fear. Yeah. Wow. And what was apparent to me when you told me that story about the saddle is even though you might finish the session, put the saddle away, if you do just box the horse or they go into a small yard or something like that, they still don't get that choice to leave, do they? It's still you. Like never in that whole situation do they get the choice to leave. Absolutely. It's very apparent. It's, it's, yeah. Wow. Wow. 
typically in domestic situations, horses get very little choice over their life. Mm. And it's that choice is actually one of the biggest rewards the brain can have. Um, so the fact that they, you know, their food is chosen for them when they get their food is chosen from them, their companions are chosen for them if they have any, you know, where they are, whether they go in, whether they go out, whether they get a rug on, whether they don't get a rug on, all these things are chosen for them. And many domestic horses actually have, a, you, you know, you, you were so right about the brain neurons. Their brains are so underused. Mm. Um, they don't have to think. And they are in a state of, of mild depression. Um, if they're not Can in a be. state of, you know, anxiety and, and stress, then, you know, so we say, oh, that's a calm horse or that's a good horse or that horse is fine. And the horse is dead inside or half dead inside. So mm. we have to be thinking about, what does a happy horse look like? And there's some great research going on now. Look, we've got the pain grimace scale and there's now some really good research happening on, well, let's have a happiness scale. Let's really, because horses are quite, um, a very happy horse doesn't necessarily jump up and down and bounce around like a dog does. Yeah. <laughs> so it's harder for us to see. And, and it, it, it's something that I'm really excited about the new work that's coming out that is showing us, um, you know, how to recognize happy horses um, and horses who are content and horses who have got a fulfilled life I think yeah wow and you've also done a bit of work with Rachel is it Dreisma how do I say that surname Dreisma oh you should ah. have her on your podcast yes she is um, a Dutch uh, researcher and she has written um, a wonderful book on language signs and calming signals in horses. So she has studied, meticulously studied um, domestic horses and um, looked for the tiniest signs of increasing and decreasing stress. Um, so that, you know, you really do start to look for these very, very early signs of stress in your horse. And therefore you can do something about it you can be aware of it you can t make things different you can change things long before the horse has to get into big behavior so it's it's really it's it's a very good it's a photographic book that shows you very tiny changes in the nostril shape and the eye shape and the muscular tone and um it's been written really well it, it you think, oh, I'll never be able to remember these, but actually, you get your eye in very quickly using her um, using her book and 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 so on. So, um, yeah, she's great, and, and our work is very complementary to each other. So, we've done a lot of uh, weekend seminars together, Raquel and I, where you know I talk about the emotions, and then she shows those emotions and how they are expressed in horses, um, and it, it's very enlightening. She's great. Yeah, and is language signs similar? Well, language signs are the signs that they're giving you. They're communication signs. Um, calming signals, there's a bit of debate about the term calming signals, but um, she um, has been a um, top dog trainer. She's trained uh, dogs in the most extreme distress for about 20 years. She's, she's been a specialist. So dogs who would hide under the bed and wouldn't come out for anybody and so on. Dogs that wouldn't give any you know, was too terrified to even engage with people. Mm. And so studied the tiniest signs of the beginning of those dogs showing the first possible flick of an eye or flick of an ear or what do they do first as they are beginning to think, I might even dare to look. 
So she's taken that into horses effectively. So the calming signals are those sort of tiny signs that the horse gives you that they are starting to feel less stressed. Mm. And then the language signs is just a more neutral. They could be getting more stressed. They could be getting less stressed. But when you are tuned into them, it means that you pay attention to your horse. You can see what your horse is feeling um, much, much easier. And you get your eye tuned into your own horse. You know, it, it helps you see, oh, in my horse. For example, with um, Heather, my Highland pony, um, when she was getting tense, I used to obviously notice the ears going back and the nostrils flaring. But after I worked a bit with Raquel, I actually noticed that the sign that happened before those bigger signs was a muscle in her neck would tense. Um, so when I'm looking to reward calmness in her, um, I'm looking, I'm looking to when that muscle relaxes or I'm looking to make sure I reward before that muscle gets tense. So I'm catching it much earlier than if I'm lo looking at whether the ears are forward or back, basically. So it's those tiny signs you can tune into. It's amazing, isn't it? And it's so subtle, but so important for the horses well, they've discovered that horses have more facial muscles for expression than chimpanzees. Wow. So their facial expressions are very, very subtle, but they're actually very uh, communicative to each other. So there's a soap opera going on out there in the field between the horses, and you think they're just grazing. Wow. But tiny expressions and conversations that they're having with each other um, we just can't see them but we can learn to see more of them yeah. and of course that makes a huge difference to your training because you're catching things sooner you're helping them to feel happier more easily you can it takes another level to that conversation yeah communication and connection between you i think well like you with the language you you're, you're getting much more into understanding the language yeah um, getting to know the the, the the slang as well as the <laughs> posh words yeah. yeah 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 it's it it's brilliant i haven't um I haven't heard much about the neuroscience before. It's a it's a really beautiful thing that I'm so glad you you've done and are able to talk about. It's amazing. Now you've had a horse like Toby, and everyone who has gone to this positive reinforcement and beautiful gentle side of training all has that one horse, and um, which always leads me to wonder why on earth are horses here? Why do you think they're here, and what's the real change that they made within you? Well, I'm not sure why they're here. That's a very big question. It is. Um, it's massive. And everyone has a stab at it, but none of us really know for sure. No, absolutely. What I do think is that, of course, we've all evolved together on this planet. Um, and the, there's a, a huge amount that we can definitely learn from each other. And I think, you know, it's one of those things where, um, we often say like, oh, you got the horse you needed because they are such, um, they bring up, when you start kind of looking into this stuff um, and how you can be the best human for your horse possible, it brings up so many different areas. Like we've talked about, you've got to learn so much more about what a horse is, about the behavior and the management and the, um, you know, being able to read them. And you've got to look at yourself and become much more aware of your um, physical tension and imbalances but also your emotional reactions as well often the relationship with the horse is very 
um, is very emotional, it's very important to us. And because of that, it can be a bit of an emotional roller coaster until we learn that to be able to ride the kind of tricky days with the easier ones and stay calm and positive kind of no matter what. So certainly for me, I've found that it's been and continues to be and will be forever, I'm sure, a journey of um, finding out more about myself and in order to be able to help them. And I think this is something that people find, that they find a lot, it's their horses leading them through this kind of path of discovery. And um, in order to really <clears throat> make that relationship as, you know, special as it can be you really have to to look at that because the horses are in our world here our domestic horses are in our world so it's up to us to make the changes um that's going to really help benefit and certainly I want to bring joy to my horses lives as much as they bring to mine mm. Rachel yeah um I think horses are here for their own purposes <laughs> um and I think it's an absolute privilege um, to be able to uh, have horses in my life. Uh, I just uh, I just bless everything that there is that I can have that. In terms of what they, I was one of those kids that was born into a non-horsey family <clears throat> who was just born horse loving from the day one. It took the complete bafflement of the rest of my family. Um, and... Um, uh, it's, as they say, it's the, the phase I didn't grow out of. Um, and what they've brought to me, I think, is the biggest understanding of empathy because they are such empathic social mammals. Um, as we've been talking about, their communication is so subtle. They need each other. Um, and they are so, um, well, I suppose open-hearted would be the lay word for it. So they're so wired for connection and, and communication and bonding the, the 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 care system in horses and the bonding system is the, so powerful in horses um because they have to they're herd animals and they have to do for survival so they've taken it i think to a level way beyond where humans are it's probably more like dolphins or elephants or other very empathic social mammals. So I think as um, a little human being hanging out with them, I get to hang out with these creatures and they bond with me in, in a very deep um, way that um, is just amazing and enriching and empowering and all the rest of it. So I, it's made me work very hard on myself to remove the barriers that I bring in because when you take away your barriers, they are there, they're ready because they, they are so empathic. And I think much when we understand empathy more in the brain, I think we'll find that uh, horses are in a, a different league from humans and much superior. Mm. And I love it. Um, I love that question. I love all of the answers. And it's made me think then that in... Um, another rat thing that they had on the internet they did studies about um heroin addiction and they did the rat park have you seen that one yes i have yes that all yeah, the rats the wanted in the end was connection and when they made yes. the beautiful rat park and they had the rats family there they didn't take the heroin and when they were isolated yeah. and alone they took the heroin so it always makes me wonder you know our technology and the way we go forward as humans we're 
we're connecting on a surface level through the internet, but not on a really emotional, deep connection level. Uh, it, it's separating us from that in a way. And all of a sudden, we find this deep connection training with horses. So it's really interesting to see it. And, and I think, Annie, you're right in saying they're kind of leading us into this new way of being of, of the things that we've lost ourselves as well with all of the technology that's come through that's saying, hey, guess what? You need this as much as we do. And we'll show you how to do it with your herd as well. Yeah, I think they bring you back as well into a bit more of a childlike mm -hmm. um, place where you do have to be more present. And, you know, when you're a kid, just sitting with horses is just enough. It's just wonderful. And then as we grow up, it's all about, you know, well, I've got to be I've got half an hour at the yard and I've got to do this chore and that chore and try and get something done with the horses. And it can be um, suddenly get a bit too goal focused and busy. And I think if we just slow back down, that's when it becomes really um rewarding for everybody and getting back to that kind of childlike place of just in loving every moment of being with your horse and like I say finding it playful and joyful and the two of you working together and working things out together as a partnership I think is really special as well yeah yeah and it's interesting because we have a, um, a residential training center in Spain and it's quite a few people have just said I just want to come I mean yeah I like the training and everything but is it okay if I just sit in the field in the, in the olive grove <laughs> and just with the horses you know I just you know I just want to sit in the sun in the olive grove and just watch the horses and they're going yep yeah, you're our kind of people <laughs> yeah fantastic and it's all the things that they teach in those eastern philosophy books that horses are teaching us as well all of those things remember the child within and the joy that they have in life and remember to be in the moment it's yeah it's wonderful I love I love what they're here to teach us and I've um I'm signed up like you guys <laughs> well, it was funny because a few years ago, um, I think it was when you were training India and India was a very challenging horse, youngster, a youngster for you. And I remember uh, you came in one day in absolute frustration and despair because you'd started to ask for something from India and she plainly showed you that you were asking wrong or doing something wrong and you realised it and changed it. And it was about breath and okay. things. And Hannah walked through the door and went, bloody Zen horsemanship. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah i love it i love it well i must say it's been such an incredible pleasure talking to you both now we can find all of your courses so anywhere that we are in the world we can connect with you and do your courses which is what i love this is a great part about the internet that it can connect us in this deep and wonderful ways as well if we choose to so I will have all the links to how everyone can find you in the show notes. But can you just tell us your website and socials and things like that, where you are and where we can find you as well? Yes. So you can find us at connectiontraining.com. That's our website. And also we're on uh, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram under Connection Training as well. So if you have a search, we should pop up there. Fantastic. And if you're interested in our centre in Spain, um, and in fact, we have two people coming, one coming from New Zealand and one coming from Australia, specifically for Hannah's course in April, and um, that's Positive Horsemanship Spain. Wow. Yeah, oh, dot com. Now you've, now you've yeah, planted a seed, haven't you? I was actually <laughs> thinking of getting you out. Yes, yes. yes. Well, I was thinking of bringing you out to Australia, actually, to have you do a bit of a tour on this side of the world, but I, I don't mind a trip oh, to Spain CT coach in Queensland we have Belinda Dawes who's near Brisbane as well yes right so we do have so anybody in, in that side of the world she it's online training that she does online coaching 
Um, Wonderful. But, uh, yeah, already in Queensland. Oh, fantastic! And can and can we find all the people who are trained in your way on your website? Yes, they're all there on on the website under the coaching. Fantastic! Yeah. Wonderful. Well. I'll see you in Spain. <laughs> Just kidding. I better not do it this year. I might, might, I have to give at least 12 months notice to my family of those big trips. Um, but thank you so much for your time. But most of all, thank you so much for what you're doing, you know, and thanks to, to Toby. My God. Yes. Thank you, Toby. Look what he's done for your life, but not only for your life, for our lives, because we get to benefit from everything that you've learned. So thank you so much for everything that you do for horses. But thank Toby for me too, because he's a bit great. He'll, yeah. he, maybe he can paint you a picture. Awesome. <laughs> he does paint pictures. <laughs> I believe you. I believe everything you tell me. That's incredible. <laughs> but it's been lovely talking to really you, Tracy. Great. Really, really good. And it's been a, a lovely chance to think a bit deeper and, um, you know, kind of put the thing together in a, in a small period of time. It's really great. Thank you for that. Thank you for what you're doing too. I uh, really enjoyed your other podcasts as well. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for your time. And I know we'll talk again soon. Okay. Really? Bye Thanks for you very much. Bye. To connect with Rachel and Hannah, and also to find the links to all the things that we talked about in there that I would put in the show notes, just simply go to the show notes. I'm on a mission to create a community of gentle and ethical horse people so that their horses all over the world can live a better life. This is a big mission with a wonderful message and it needs your help. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to join me on my mission of making the world a better place for horses, please engage with me somehow. You can leave a review on iTunes or Facebook, share or comment on social media posts or tell your friends about the podcast. You'll find all the links to our social media on our website, comealongfortheride.com.au. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you'll find me on LinkedIn. If your friends don't know how to podcast, send them to my website and tell them to hit play. It's the most user-friendly way to listen for anyone you know who'd love to listen but isn't quite sure how. I'd also love it, really love it, if you get in touch and say hi. Let me know who you'd like to hear interviewed on the podcast. I have some wonderful people lined up to speak to, but this is your show as much as mine. So please, if there's anyone you'd like to hear from, get in touch via the website or social media. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover, if there's something you'd like me to research more and really speak about at length or even just in a short way, let me know. I'd love, love, love to serve you guys more. Anyway, thanks again for listening and I'll catch you next time on Come Along for the Ride.